From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. From Jersey City, I'm Erica Ducey. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And guys, before we get into today's hot topic, which is TikTok, and if you're not on TikTok, we're going to teach you everything you need to know about TikTok, because you've probably heard a lot about TikTok in the past few months, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Gosling's Rum Family Reserve Old Rum. Gosling's Family Reserve Old Rum is crafted from the same incomparable Bermuda blend as the renowned Black Seal Rum. Huh, that makes sense. But it's barrel-aged even longer. Sweet. Until it acquires an extra luscious, nuanced complexity, much like a rare scotch or cognac. Cognac's really popular these days, so, I mean, if you like cognac, you probably should get in on this, too. Each bottle is hand-numbered, hand-labeled, and dipped in black sealing wax, the same way Gosling's first bottled rum in the early 1900s. Consider it the ultimate sipping rum, because we do. And I, I, I mean, I would like it, too. I would I, I'd love Gosling's. We've talked about this. Send me a bottle. So does the Caribbean Journal, who named it the number one aged rum in the world. That's cool. Find this rare rum on reservebar.com, where for a limited time, you'll save $15 off your order with the code VINEPAIR. And now to our show. Uh, guys, we're going to start a new segment here uh, on the VINEPAIR podcast before we get into sort of witty banter, which I always enjoy with the two of you, <laughs> which is sort of what we're drinking this this week. So, uh, you know, we've we've had a lot of listeners email in and ask us sort of, you know, what are we drinking so that we can help them discover some of the things they should be drinking. So, you know. It, as, as brief as possible, let's talk about some of the stuff we're drinking this week. So, you know, Erica, why don't you kick us off? What are you drinking this week? Yeah. So uh, in the past couple of weeks, I have moved into my fall bourbon drinking. And uh, how I like to drink my bourbon is in a Manhattan. And uh, the thing I've been doing, which I think is an amazing trick for people is mini Manhattans. So um, instead of making a full Manhattan, I just make a, a half recipe. And so it's like a little tiny guy. Um, and sometimes I just don't want the calories or like the sugar or the um, alcohol of a full Manhattan, but I'm still getting my fix every night, which I really enjoy. And uh, the bourbon that is fueling my Manhattan uh, this week is the Woodford Reserve Distiller Select. Um, it's, it's a bottle that I think provides really good price to value um, uh value, I guess, price to value, value. Um, so it ranges from like, I think you can find it from like 33 to $36, depending on where you're trying to buy it. But it's really um, an awesome uh, bourbon. So I recommend it. That's awesome. Uh, Zach, what about you? Well, first of all, Erica, I'm impressed that you can apparently settle for a mini Manhattan. I definitely need at least a, I need at least a regular Manhattan. Sometimes a I don't know maxi Manhattan, whatever the opposite is. Uh, I I gotta say I know I know we've kind of talked about this before, but but I felt I felt compelled uh, the last couple of days, and, and again will tonight to drink some Napa wine. I mean, what, what's going on in in Napa right now is really really um, devastating losses to um, just some absolute institutions there. And, and unfortunately, the fires there as of our recording time are still nowhere near under control. So it's possible that sadly, the toll uh, will be much greater. And and for me, the specific wine that I'm thinking of is um, from Kane, which is one of my favorite wineries there on Spring Mountain. Unfortunately, it was really, really badly damaged um, the last couple of days. Yeah. Uh, I think all of the 2019 and 2020 vintage was lost. Um, I think the vineyards mostly seem to be okay as of now. Um, but again, getting details is still tricky. So uh, I'm going to have a bottle of Cane 5, which is kind of, I guess, their flagship wine um, tonight. Uh, it's a very classic Bordeaux blend using the five principal Bordeaux varieties. 
Uh, it's delicious. Definitely not. Um, it's a bit of a splurge, but I have a couple bottles in my collection and it just felt like the, feels like the right thing to do. Um, Chris Howell, the winemaker is a really lovely guy. I got the opportunity to have dinner with him last year and he did something that winemakers do rarely that I love, which is he mostly poured other people's wine <laughs> at dinner, <laughs> uh, and actually, uh, kind of had to like coax out of him, uh, his own wine and talking about it. So that's a kind of modesty that maybe I don't share, but I appreciate. So, uh, so yeah, so that's what I'm drinking. Man, yeah, Cane's amazing. They were on our top 50 wines of the year a few years ago. Uh, I think they were number five for Cane 5, actually. There you go. Um, yeah, that that wine is is really amazing. Um, and it's a it's a huge bummer that you know everyone's going through that. Um, so thanks for taking us down, Zach, but hey, it, was, man. it was necessary. Um, yeah, so for me, I don't know if I've talked about this yet on the podcast. I mean, I know I was excited about it. Uh, at the Vine Pear Picnic a few weeks ago, I brought it out for the first time, and now I have one in my fridge, which is St. Agrestus, which is a uh, distillery in New York, started making, uh, you know, Negronis in these beautiful bottles. So, you know, RTDs, if you will, a few years ago. And this year had the, like, brilliant idea of putting them in a box. And so they're boxed Negronis, like boxed wine. Uh, There's 20 Negronis in the box for $60. And I gotta say, three dollars a Negroni is a pretty is a pretty sweet deal. Um, it's got really great gin in it. It's from uh, Greenhook Gin Smiths. Is the is the gin inside the the Negroni? Right? Is that right, Erica? Yeah, it you is. know. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, I was like, I think that's right, and Erica will know if I don't. <laughs> yeah, and it's awesome. Like more people should be buying this. I know you can get it at Aster. Uh, and so, like, if you live around the country and you want to go to you know Aster Wine, I know you can buy it there. And I think they ship to forty states around the country. Um, but this thing is just awesome to have in the fridge. Like at the end of the day, if I don't feel like making a cocktail, you know, I can easily just open the fridge, get a nice Cuba ice in my rocks glass. If I want to add some citrus, I will, I usually do. And you just have like a great well-made Negroni. Naomi loves it too. And like, I think they're, they're claiming that it'll last for a year. It's definitely not going to last for a year in my fridge because I'm going to finish it, (laughs) but that like it could last for a year. And I just think it's awesome. And I can't believe they're the only people that have done this and more people should be doing it. Like, I just think it's so cool to have a box of cocktails in my fridge. So that's what I'm drinking. And and it gives you that really beautiful ease of service, right? You just pour it. Like you don't have to do anything. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's just like, I'm not dirtying my mixology equipment. Like I'm, I'm not worried now about like, do I have enough Campari still on the bar or like some other bitter liqueur? Do I need, like how fresh is my vermouth? Like I'm, you know, like I'm not worried about any of that stuff at this point. Just like, oh, cool, I've got it. And now it kind of allows me to play with other cocktails. I felt like a lot of times I would kind of just like default to a Negroni at home when I was making cocktails, and now I feel like I'll default to other things and just have this in the fridge at all times whenever I whenever I need it. It's just it's awesome. Frankly, I want more things in my life in a bag and box. Like I. I'm like, I used to be like a lot of wine people kind of like turn my nose up at the idea, but the more I've been around it, like it's such a great solution for a lot of things. It's just, it's easy. It lasts. Uh, it fits really well into, into like, like literally the space it takes up is very small, which is great. Like, you know, bar bottles on the bar are, can be clunky and not that the bottles for a Negroni are usually that difficult to fit in there, but like, I just, I want more, yeah, more things in a bag and box, please. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is funny when I went away for uh, Naomi's parents' 40th anniversary, two weekends ago, we brought up a a box of white wine uh, from Sokol Blosser, 
the producer oh, yeah. in Oregon who makes like, I think pretty solid Pinot for the price and pretty solid uh, Chardonnay and things like that. And they just had a white blend and I put it in the box and it was the perfect thing for the weekend because people didn't have to ask me because I mean, you guys are probably in the same situation, right? When you're with family or friends, they'll always fall to like, what should we open next? Like, can you open something? Like, I'm not sure what's open. Like there's all this stuff on the counter. And I was like, nope, there's like, there's white wine in the fridge. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. If you wanted to have a white wine and go sit down by the lake or whatever, or go have a white wine and people loved it. And I think you're right, Zach. It's there's a convenience thing there, and I think more people should do it and get more and get creative with it. That's why I love this cocktail thing. Cause it was like this is just so so stupidly obvious, yet also so creative. Yeah, and I think that's why we're seeing just a huge explosion of RTD cocktails right now. Whether canned, I just received a, a whole shipment last night of um, cans. Their craft house cocktails from uh, Charles Jolie and uh, a partner that I mean they've made you know I don't know ten different craft cocktails that are just in these little aluminum bottles and I can't wait to try them. Oh my gosh. Um, but there's awesome. so many, there's so many, you know, Tim and I were just talking our, you know, one of our staff writers, we're just talking about how we need to do a huge roundup and tasting of all of these RTDs. So we should probably do it on the podcast too and totally. take people through what are the biggest ones that, you know, what are the best ones you can buy and where can you buy them online? For those of us who are ignorant, I, I, I me, who's Charles Lilly? Uh, so he uh, has won all sorts of like, you know, top bartender of the year awards for pretty much, you know, every for every award. He has won all the awards for best bartender. <laughs> um, but uh, he's uh, was out of Chicago. I'm not sure where he's located right now, but um, fantastic uh, talent. And I'm super excited to try the uh mixtures that they have put into the bottle, how they've done the citrus stabilization. Like, I can't wait to dive into those. That's awesome. Well, Erica, maybe you need your own uh, Manhattan in a bag and box that uh, you can, that way it's even easier to make yourself a Yeah, I'm going to have to get myself in those little cute barrels and yeah. keep my own little barrel aged one on the counter. <laughs> so guys, yeah. today's topic, the thing we've all been waiting to talk about, TikTok and alcohol. So before we jump too much into this topic, I want to be very clear to anyone listening who's in the business. There is no way right now on TikTok to guarantee that if you are on there making drinks, you are able to age gate or age verify whether you are talking to people over 21 or not. So please bear that in mind with everything we're discussing. If you're a brand thinking about getting on TikTok and spending money and you are worried about being compliant, again, nothing that we're discussing right now should be taken as advice because there is no way, again, just like with the Snap platform at this moment, that you can truly guarantee whether or not the people that you're posting your videos to are 21 and over. That being said, I think TikTok is one of the most exciting platforms right now for what is happening in, in the alcohol space. I think there is a ton of creativity happening on the platform. I'm going to say it is mostly in spirits. I'm not seeing it as much in uh, wine and beer. But guys, TikTok is amazing. I also like lost my entire life on TikTok recently. I think like I turned it on <laughs> at like seven in the evening and like all of a sudden Naomi came uh, you know, out to the couch and it was 3 a.m. and she was like, are you coming to bed? I was like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> I've just been on TikTok. And that's because the algorithm is so good. And yeah. and I mean, I'm talking so good. I've never seen another tech platform that had an algorithm that learned this quickly and that was this smart about the things you like. I mean, I'll, I can go down crazy rabbit hole TikToks where I'm learning how to bake bread by a ton of people. I mean, now I'm obviously in drink TikTok. That's why, you know, I'm curious what, what you guys experienced because basically... I told you guys a few weeks ago, I wanted to do a TikTok podcast. 
And both of you are like, okay, fine. We'll freaking download it. So <laughs> before I talk about everything about TikTok and like sort of give the whole history of TikTok, you know, I'd love to hear like, what are your, what are your guys' impressions of it? You, you, now you've both been on the platform. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, uh, from my perspective, I mean, I know why the algorithm is so good. It's because they're using AI. And so, you know, they are, are able to tag all of the objects in a video. And then that helps them serve up that the like content, you know, content similar to the things that you uh, were looking at in the prior videos or in the videos that you've watched the most. And I do think that the um, algorithm is amazing. So, you know, I went down the rabbit hole of looking at flare bartending and then it and then it was actually hard to move away from that flare bartending is having more than a moment it is dominant on that platform and booming. uh booming and a lot of the videos that are being posted are from russia from throughout europe from asia you know most of the cocktails that you're seeing are in metric measurements so they're you know not the states um and the uh amount of creativity, I agree, is is pretty, you know, fascinating. There's um, just a lot happening there. But, you know, there's also a lot of junk to get through. Yes, so absolutely. I, yeah, a ton of junk. And I think that, you know, I looked pretty hard for wine. I looked really hard for wine content, and I did not find very much that I found super compelling. So it definitely seems to be a place for um, for cocktails and, you know, flair bartending and all of that. But I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, what you guys have found. Zach? So I think it's really interesting that you guys both really talked about how effective the algorithm was, because my my impression has been that it's actually the effectiveness of the algorithm that to this point kind of exposes to me the limitations of the platform. And by that, I mean that when you have such a tight correlation between what you've previously watched and what you are going to be served up in the future, I think it creates a real homogeneity. And, and that's the thing that I was surprised by is how, and I think it's, it's born out in, in not just in the drink space, but with this sort of TikTok challenge, you know, so much of the platform seems to be around recreating someone else's popular video and doing it yourself. And I can certainly understand how for a lot of the user base, which let's be honest, skews a lot younger than us typically, um, that's a hugely important thing. I mean, we all went through a phase in our teens or twenties where we wanted to be just like someone else. You know, we wanted to copy their style, their mannerisms, their their vocabulary, whatever it was, and whether that was someone we knew or someone on TV or something. I think, unfortunately, you know, I guess I'm going to be the guy who's. I think you're taking the really so old whatever. man position right now. I, I'm and and I'm gonna and I'm also gonna say that everything you're saying is completely incorrect, but I will correct it after you make your point. Oh, great. But yes, I think you're definitely taking like the crotchety old man position right now. But here's the thing that's that's just I think there's a fundamental challenge, which is that uh, and it's a challenge that, that faced the drinks industry in some ways with Instagram as well, although I think it's a little bit of a there's a difference there. And it's that a lot of the things that let's say you and that all, that we t I think typically find appealing about beverage alcohol are pretty difficult to translate to that medium. And we've seen that. I mean, shit, that's been an issue with wine and beer and to a lesser extent cocktails because they're they're more of a there's more of a visual aspect to those. It's hard to translate those into compelling visual content. You know, some one of the reasons, Erica, I think you don't see a lot of great wine content is like, what exactly does a great 15 second wine video look like? I mean, I know Vinepair, we've certainly tried to produce that. And I think some of the stuff we've done has been really good, but it is very hard to kind of make uh, a, a compelling piece of visual and you know video and audio content about something that is like, you know, deeply experiential 
Um, and so I think, you know, that's why you see flair bartending so big because it looks cool. It's fun to watch people do that. I mean, I certainly watch plenty of videos of people making crazy ass concoctions, but I also, and again, crotch shield man or not, also looked at a lot of those things and was like, I would never, ever, ever want to drink that. I left those drinks behind 15 years ago. And, and so if you're 21 and 22 and, you know, especially if you're in a place where you can go out to bars and it's safer, you know, another part of the world or whatever, fuck it, have fun with it. Like enjoy these crazy ass drop shots that people are coming up with that where the drink changes color. But like, I don't know that that can, that's not compelling content to me personally. And so I, I, I'm still kind of at a loss to figure out how that translates into a, a platform that I'm going to rely on you know, regularly for, so I'm not seeing much flair bartending. So that's, what's so interesting that the two of you are. Um, and that's what I think is actually interesting about TikTok. So TikTok isn't just about copying. There's a little bit of that in the, the pure, you know, form of it, but it's a lot about having fun and being creative and being your own person. What I think is very interesting about TikTok is some of the largest influencers on the platform I've never seen before. So I don't know if when you guys were watching, you ever saw the Sway Boys, you saw Hype House or saw some of these like massive celebrities that have, that have, you know, tens of millions of followers. I certainly haven't. I've only, the only exposure I've ever had is reading Taylor Lawrence, you know, the, the very well-known New York Times style reporter. Like I, for, for me, I saw a little bit of flair barging in the beginning, but now I'm seeing a lot of like very serious mixology, right? And I'm seeing a lot of those personalities. And I think what's interesting about it is it really is allowing you to those that are more entertaining, those that are providing a service for certain people are getting more views. But what's cool about TikTok is it's not just about who you follow, unlike Instagram, right? So it's not about like creating this, this profile where like, you're, you're pushing people over and over together. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. I'll follow you, you follow me, that kind of thing. That's not how TikTok works. TikTok just rewards good content. And I think that that's what makes the platform so exciting to, to so many people. And I think is really exciting, especially for the spirit space. Because if you are a bartender that is engaging and that is really great at making drinks and that can tell a story while you make those drinks and can you know show a beautiful cocktail at the end, it doesn't matter if you are the bartender owns a really well-known bar in Manhattan or you're a bartender that, you know, is making drinks somewhere else in the middle of the country and, and you're not the bar owner, but you just know how to make a great cocktail. You can have a platform on TikTok and really build a name for yourself. And I think, you know, in that regard, the platform is very exciting and very different than anything else that's existed before it, which is, you know, cool. I mean, look, you saw Vine tried to create this and they weren't able to, right? Because the algorithm was shit. Um, Instagram has tried to mimic it. They can't. Right. So it, it says a lot about what the technology is. Also, why, you know, China is never going to allow it to be sold to the United States because the algorithm is so valuable. But it's it's really actually, I think, a, a very fascinating place to learn how to make drinks if you can find those right people. And then, yes, you could start following them. But what I think is cool is that there are little niches in everything. You are both right. There doesn't really seem to be any wine TikTok. But I think that's because wine, it, it's, it's very hard to make engaging wine content. In general, like you said, Zach, it's very it's very difficult. The stuff I've seen on on Instagram is pretty bad. You know, like I think we do a very good job with Keith's fifteen second wine reviews. We've translated them to tick. We've you know brought them over to TikTok. Some of them are doing well. Some of them not as much. Our explainer videos are doing incredibly well. People looking for knowledge on you know what to do and how to understand you know the platform. But wine content as a whole on social media is pretty difficult. Like if you post a bottle shot on Instagram, I don't know necessarily that 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 moves mountains for that winery and cause that winery to sell out. Same with beer tick like Instagram, not really sure. But cocktails, like there's a there's a real opportunity to make those cocktails and also be entertaining at the same time. And that is why I do think flair bartending has taken off in these certain circles, but why there's a lot of other 
kinds of bartending that are also finding a moment as well as just people who are being silly, right? People who are just saying like, oh, here's how I'm making my, you know, how I'm mixing my truly today or whatever. But I think that like alcohol does have this really interesting space there and people are being playful with it. And I like it because it kind of embodies what we've always said at VinePair that, you know, there's all these ways to experience drinks and there's, you know, all these different ways to learn about drinks and people are being really open and honest with the drinks they like and showing. And it's a great place to kind of understand what people are just interested in right now, regardless of age, I think. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I think what is interesting about TikTok right now is that if you do have really good content, you can rack up a ton of views. You can have far more reach on that platform than you can on many others if if the content resonates and there's a variety of ways to do that. But I think one of the one of the things that brands, if they are looking to get into the space, you know, I think there's a, a couple things to consider. Um, first, you know, as the platform develops here in the States, I do think that they probably will allow some sort of age gating. And I think that day is probably coming soon. So the Chinese version, Douyin, they have links in the videos to purchase products and to tip creators like they do on the Twitch platform. And that functionality is expected to come out on the US version, uh, you know, sometime soon. So when the monetization becomes a reality on TikTok, which, you know, could be six months, who knows, then I think they're going to have to, you know, they're going to see, obviously, that that's the way to make uh, money for the um, platform as well, and start age gating, uh, so that we can have more regulated products that are, um, you know, uh, able to be shown to viewers, you know, who are the right age. So, you know, I'd say, but in the meantime, I'd say for brands that are looking to get into the platform uh, and start to build an audience, I'd say any of that uh, portrait view uh, Instagram stories, repurpose them, just repost them, reuse that content. And then you'll start to build an audience. And then at some point there's going to be Uh, the tools for brands to monetize. So, you know, you might as well start now with uh, the type of content that is like engaging, but, you know, definitely doesn't show, you know, young people, any sorts of young people uh, (laughs) inviting at all. I mean, you know, I was reading that like TikTok in the past six months removed 49 million videos for uh, content that depicted regulated goods with minors. Right. So, and that's, you know, and like, you know, for context, the number of video views per day on the platform is over a billion. So it's not, (laughs) I mean, that's a small percentage. very small. um, But, you know, that like the uh, ability for brands to use this platform more effectively is is going to change and it's going to change soon. I mean, yeah, all you have to do is look at Walmart getting a piece or potentially getting a piece of this deal and realize that like they're going to start using that algorithm to serve, you know, to make sure that, oh, all of a sudden Zach's been looking at a lot of cocktail videos and a lot of those cocktail videos also included, you know, really nice aged rums. Oh, and he lives in a state, let's say LA, where we actually can also sell alcohol through Walmart and he has a Walmart account, uh, one of these drums is just going to show up at his house and he can return it if he wants it. If he keeps it and he likes it, then we're going to charge him. Like, I think there's a huge opportunity of that coming very fast um, with, with how powerful this algorithm is. And yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's really interesting um, because I mean, I'm obviously the, 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 the TikTok fan uh, here of the, you know, I've, I've, spent a, I've spent a lot of time on the platform of the way that also 
people can create personalities for themselves, right? So like there's this woman I've been following, she's Thirsty LA and all of her cocktail videos, she's like dressed up in like sort of 50s attire, very like, 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 you know, 50s music in the background. It's all very atmospheric. And then, you know, you have a guy like the Thirsty Whale and he's, you know, in his apartment with like a very ridiculous bar. Let's let's be clear. Uh, <laughs> way more ridiculous than than you can think of for a bar. The only person I think who has a, a bigger bar in their apartment is probably Aaron Goldfarb uh, with like, you know, very heavily stocked um, making, making drinks and it looks like he's in a professional bar. And like, I think people have figured things out and they're creating their own personas and I just think it's awesome. So Zach, I mean... Well, so here's my question, though, that I that I have that, that comes out of this, which is, I think one thing that, that you guys have both talked about that really intrigues me is, at some point, is TikTok more an entertainment platform or a commerce platform? And it isn't to say that you can't necessarily be both, but I think about a lot of the examples that you've given, and I think, okay, so the person who might, like Adam, who might watch some guy with an elaborate home bar make really fancy, elaborate cocktails, like... That might be entertaining for you and for lots of people. It might be entertaining for me, but I don't know that it's going to then cause me to go out and spend any money. Like I, I might go like, wow, that guy has a bunch of cool bottles, but I'm not going to buy, you know, some obscure black walnut liqueur just because I saw this guy make a drink with it. Like I'm going to go, huh, interesting, cool. And if I went out to a bar, maybe I'd see if they have it and maybe I'd ask them to make it. But that's a pretty Zach, oblique Zach, way to get to- you, you are, know, I mean, what? you clearly don't understand influencers because in in all due respect- there's a ton of people that already are buying what these people are pushing. Like one of the biggest gins that I've seen a lot of, so clearly this must be a campaign is I don't know if you both are familiar with Empress gin. So, Oh yeah. But they, but they've been doing but this. Like, all I over guarantee platforms. you people are buying it because that's what these people are using. Well, look, this so, is a great question. Let's pull the Nielsen data. I don't know. They, I, you could very well be right. They but wouldn't I, but I don't do it if it did. That. Like that's the thing from, from what, from what, <laughs> Dude. I read a, Adam, I read a lot of stories about Instagram influencers who, you know, people gave lots of money to, and it turned no. out that they didn't do shit for brands because from what I, I've I mean, looked at for I the look, brands I'm, that I'm do it a wrong. lot, man, it works or they wouldn't keep doing it. Like for, for brands that actually aren't just dipping their toe in it, but if, I mean, house who I interviewed is a perfect example. They figured out the influencer model and they're, you know, they're 10 xing sales right now on, on platforms. So like, a brand like that who is doing it has figured it out and he's also knows who to go to if the if the influencer has a very loyal following. That's going to be the issue is how many people are actually following the person. You're right. I don't think an influencer that has 3,000 followers is moving something for anyone. But I think certain influencers with very loyal communities, they absolutely do move products. I, I mean, look, I'm the first person to poo-poo influencers and be like, oh, why are we paying attention to all these different influencers? But at the end of the day, a lot of them who are good and who have really engaging content and who are, you know, shouting out this one product over and over and over again, especially when it's not really clear that it's being paid for, do move product. They just do. And I mean, again, you you can argue with it all you want for some of the small people, but there would not be a lot of these brands who do it over and over and over again if it didn't work. These marketing people are paid way too much money to get it wrong. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I think that if you look at the brands right now that are on Instagram, uh, spending a lot of money for um, influencer marketing, that's those are the brands that are soon going to be transitioning over to TikTok. Those are the ones that have realized, you know, when if, if these campaigns are working for them, and I know a lot of these campaigns do work. Uh, that TikTok is going to be the next platform. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're probably already experimenting. And look, I think the, the problem why we don't have the really clear answer is because a lot of the brands that are big, like the Hendrix of the world or, 
anything owned by, let's say, you know, the, the Pernos, the Camparis, the Diageos, whatever, they're not going to take the risk because they are very, 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 very strict about having to make sure that at least 70% is what 70% viewability, 90% of any platform, whether it's Instagram, our site, whatever is 21 plus. And TikTok can't guarantee that yet. Whereas a, a company like Empress Gin, I don't know who owns them, may not care yet, right? So you're going to have some of these smaller craft brands take the risk and they're going to they're going to play much more than someone else would because they're not as worried. Aviation was the same way, right? Like there's a lot of uh, ads that they got away with because they were a smaller brand, even though they were owned by Ryan Reynolds to some extent, that a Diageo never would have done. Now that Diageo's bought them, they probably, Ryan will not be allowed to do an ad making fun of Peloton and encouraging you to drink after an exercise, right? But like at the time they could get away with it because they were smaller and like it's all self-policing anyways. So that I think is going to be really interesting to see. But as a whole, like I think the platform is is really interesting. I I think that people who play with it and and you know figure it out are gonna are gonna be pretty successful. Again, I don't know if that's gonna translate to success in other things, but I think you I think you might see some bartenders build profiles, get book deals, whatever off of TikTok for sure. Yeah. And I think the one thing you the one point you make, which is I think the best one, is that a platform, especially a relatively new one, at least to you know, sort of American audiences always affords opportunities for new people to make a name for themselves. It was true on Instagram. It was true. You know, it's true on Twitch for not so much for our industry, but for lots of other ones. Um, and, and so I, I agree that, you know, if you are able to create a presence, if you're able to be engaging in the format that, that TikTok kind of promotes, then yeah, you can have real success and you can certainly get lots of views. And we know that in our culture views translate into influence and influence translates into, you know, probably product moved, I guess, according to Adam. Um, and, uh, and so, so I think there's the possibility there. I just, I guess I'm just, you know, sort of, it's more like uh, my my feeling is kind of like I I'll I'll, I'll be content to be a late adopter, <laughs> um, despite the fact that that it's on my phone and uh, and I was you know I was a little late to Instagram I'm cool with that too uh, but I but I look forward to seeing what comes out of it I think you're right there's yeah. gonna be some really interesting um, ways to convey drinks to to people and convey drinks culture um, and uh, you know I look forward to uh, to you know my two years from now, my, uh, my TikTok feed. I think what makes the platform so interesting, I realize I've talked on a large majority of this, this podcast, but I think what makes the, the platform interesting is like, I don't make a, I've never made a single TikTok. Like I just, I, I like going on and seeing what's going on. Um, and there's different platforms for different people, right? Like we talked about this before we jumped on actually to record, like, you know, Erica's back on Twitter, you know, tweeting a lot more. Zach, you're on Twitter a lot. I'm not the biggest Twitter fan, you know, and I don't really go on ever, right? I don't even go on to like view. Twitter's like not my platform. And that was an older platform, right? Um, because I'm also, I am kind of into commerce and pushing things. Like I've never seen anything get pushed through Twitter, right? Like I've seen massive people tweet out stories and no one clicks, right? That's not what Twitter is. Twitter's all about the feed. And I was all, you know, in earlier on when I was really interested in building VinePair that we weren't interested in, you know, people just like knowing about the article, we interesting people actually reading them. And so we were finding much more success on platforms like Pinterest and Facebook and things like that. So I was drawn to them and, and now really Instagram. What I think is, is cool about TikTok in terms of cocktails too, is like, I think Instagram has really, has really rewarded a different kind of cocktail maker, right? It's someone who's really good at making cocktails and also photographing them. And TikTok actually rewards, you know, rewards a little bit the opposite. Rewards someone with a really just good personality, right? There's a lot of drinkstagrammers who I think could never translate to TikTok, and probably vice versa, right? There's a lot of people who are becoming really big in the in the drink space on TikTok that probably don't take the best photo, 
right? Or if, you know, don't take as good of photos as some of the other people. And it would take them a very long time to build that same audience, but they are really engaging and they seem like a really fun person that you'd love to grab a drink with. And they seem super accessible when they make the cocktail and they tell you a story. And so they grow pretty quickly. And and I think that's what makes each interesting for different people and why, you know, everyone's going to have to sort of play around with whatever platforms they're on to figure out what they like. Yeah. I mean, my takeaway from it is, you know, there are now social platforms for all personality types. Some of them are more monetizable than others. So for brands, you know, I think it'll be a way to see which ones are going to end up being the most monetizable. They're changing all the time. Um, But then again, hey, social platforms, you're going to watch The Social Dilemma if you haven't watched already, and you're going to delete them all. (laughs) I know. It's the 10th year anniversary. Oh, oh my gosh. No, no, not Social Dilemma. Sorry. Social Network, 10th year anniversary of the- Oh, uh, The Social Network. No, Social Dilemma, though. If you you have not watched that already, and you you kind of- uh, I know. I've heard about it. To see something disturbing, I think that that will be- uh, that's, that's something that everyone should watch, especially you, Zach, with kids. You'll never <laughs> let your kids uh, download any social platform ever. I promise. Yeah, guys. All right. Well, with that said, uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. If you're on TikTok, I'd love to hear about it and what you think about the platform. Email us at podcast at vinepair.com. If you're a marketer that plays around with uh, working with influencers, we'd also love to have your perspective. And Proof to Zach that I'm right. Uh, so that would also be something that you could send an email to podcast at vinepair.com. And before we go, one more word from Gosling's Rum Family Reserve Old Rum. Gosling's Family Reserve Old Rum is crafted from the same incomparable Bermuda blend as the renowned Black Seal Rum. But it's barrel aged even longer until it acquires an extra luscious, nuanced complexity, much like a rare scotch or cognac. Each bottle is hand numbered, hand labeled, and then dipped in black sealing just the same way Gosling's first bottled rum in the early 1900s. Consider it the ultimate sipping rum, because we do. So now, so does the Caribbean Journal, who named it the number one aged rum in the world. Find this rare rum on reservebar.com, where for a limited time, you'll save $15 off your order of this amazing rum if you use the code VINEPAIR. Again, that's reservebar.com, use the code VINEPAIR, and buy a bottle of Family Reserve Old Rum from Gosling's. And uh, Zach, Erica, we'll talk to you next week. See you then. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vinepair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vinepair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.